Welcome to SpotCast, your single point of contact for the service management and support industry brought to you by HDI, where service management and support professionals belong. I'm your host for SpotCast, Roy Atkinson. Episode 9 of SpotCast is an interview with Pete McGarrahan. Peter is Senior Director of IT Workplace and Collaboration Services at First American. He's an active member of HDI and provides outstanding influence and contributions to the HDI community. Pete was the founder of McGarrahan and Associates and offers 30-plus years of IT, business, and service leadership. He's passionate about sharing his lessons learned and career experiences through published articles and presenting at industry conferences around the world. His service leadership led the Taco Bell Support Organization to industry recognition after being awarded the HDI Team Excellence Award in 1995. Pete is one of the first people, if not the first person, to talk about shift left strategy for support. Can you tell us where that came from and how you've seen it work over the years? Way back when, uh, I was a part of an organization called STI Knowledge and Help Desk 2000. And we would hold events uh, on a yearly basis, and we would invite a couple of the Gartner analysts to join us at these events. And two uh, Gartner analysts that I really had enormous respect for was Chris Britton and Bill Keyworth. And Chris Britton and Bill Keyworth were two of the original Gartner analysts that took service and support and kind of molded it into the future of support. You know, they were there uh, during the uh, idle introduction and how service and support would be changed forever with the idle instructions and the processes. And we would have discussions at night over cocktails, of course, and we would talk about the service model with the multi-tiered and the multi-structure. And one of the things that we, we started to talk about was, okay, well, let's look at it. Let's look at the end-to-end service model. Let's look at how we staff it. And then let's look at how issues and requests come through that model. Let's look at the people, the cost of that model, the timeliness of the model. And with the three of us, we just kind of sat down and said, here's the importance of that service model. Here's the multi-tiered environment. And let's look at the cost of what it takes to resolve issues or fulfill requests at a level zero, one, two, or three. And then let's look at kind of what the details are around issues and requests that are resolved at those levels based upon technical expertise or experience or tools. And then let's look at the model and see what is the best way to approach it to optimize the model. And that's when the whole shift left strategy came to be. I would say simply what we were looking to do was better understand where incidents and requests were resolved and fulfilled at which level, at what cost, and at what impact to the business. And once we kind of looked at it from that perspective, now all of the details around that started to come to play. And that's when we said, wow, Imagine if we had that data and we understood that, what we could do to shift left. And shift left meaning, of course, taking issues and requests that are resolved and fulfilled at level three, shifting them to level two, shifting those to level one, shifting those to self-serve, and all the while looking for issues that we could do problem management with and eliminate them from the enterprise altogether. 
what would that mean in terms of business impact, reduced cost, but more importantly, shaving off some of the repetitive reoccurring issues that kind of plague the support environment and finding time and opportunity to shift their focus into more strategic valued areas of opportunity. And that was a really big part of it. So when we looked at it all, we said, this is a great opportunity. What can we do at each level to really prepare those resources to be successful? Well, at level one and level two, it was going to be all about knowledge management. And that's when knowledge management really came into play in terms of how we created articles that were really based on issues and walking the service desk people through resolving those issues at level one rather than assign them to level two. And the same thing there with level two to three and level one to level zero. So it really played, um, I think, a critical role in how service managers were thinking differently about service and support. Why do you think it's a struggle, at least in some organizations, to get knowledge management the focus it really needs? It's a, it's a great question. And, and I think, as you know, Roy, we've been dealing it, uh, with it now for decades, right? Um, and I think the first hurdle that the service organization, service leaders need to get over is that knowledge management is critical to their success. And in one of my other articles in the HDI support world, I talk about knowledge management not being optional. And I think service leaders really need to play hardball with that. It's, it's not an option in your organization. It's a critical point of success. And unless you buy into it and sell your organization on the value of utilizing knowledge to improve service delivery, lower cost, and do all the great things you can do, then you're going to struggle with it every day. And, and I think that's even more true now because we're setting up for a time in which automation and AI and machine learning uh, are going to become part of our day-to-day -day work. We're seeing that already. And uh, I think a lot of people don't realize that knowledge management and data management is critical to the care and feeding of that automation and AI. Totally, totally. I, I think, you know, knowledge management critical to the success and the survival of the support organization. And then as you point out, data management, um, I really can't justify any of my initiatives without data management. So, you know, we're going through a call typing, call categorization exercise, and I'll share that with you a little later. But that whole discipline of being able to identify the issue and be able to identify the numerous issues and impact by call categorization, and then use that call categorization to then base decisions on who needs to be involved in the resolution, root cause analysis, coming up with the, you know, the elimination solution of it. All of that is critical to the long-term success of the support organization. You wrote an article for Support World called Selling the Value Proposition to Your CIO, Gaining Senior Stakeholder Confidence in Service Organization. What are one or two things that most support managers miss when they're trying to gain senior management buy-in for stronger support organizations? That's a great question. So this is my 36th year in business and IT, and I had the pleasure and opportunity of working for the PepsiCo organization early on and then the Taco Bell organization. 
And I had to present a business case to senior managers. And I thought it was just one of these things that you do. And you get your act together, you get your data, you get your slides, and you go up into the executive boardroom and you tell them, you know, what the issues are, what the problem is, what the impact is, and what your recommendation. They look at you, they approve it, and you walk out. Well, guess what? Not that simple. And the second one was when I did it, I walked out, but I walked out with my tail between my legs because I got rejected. And so it was an opportunity to really sit back and learn. And it just so happens I was reading To Kill a Mockingbird during that time. And there's a great learning lesson in that book that says no lawyer ever asks a question that they don't already know the answer to. And to me, that was kind of what I was missing. I was missing the road work to identify and partner with the senior managers in a way that built credibility, that also built relationship by showing them that we could do what needed to be done. So prove it. And the credibility card enables you to present something, but not just present it in the first time. What I learned from that kind of kill the mockingbird quote was I needed to shop this idea around to some of the more influential senior executives before I actually got up there. Namely, I needed to know that I had some confidence with the most influential senior managers in that room so that they would ask the right questions and approve it. And then the rest of the senior managers would agree with them. And I would walk out of that room with an approval for doing what I needed to do. That was probably the biggest lesson for me. And I really think that's what some senior managers miss is that they need to almost work hard enough on getting the approval beforehand as they work on preparing that presentation. Managers and support centers need to understand that the data that they bring to the table has to tell a story. And that story is how their work is going to affect the business at large. That's it. It's, yeah. it's telling a story. Um, it's getting them kind of emotionally attached or involved. And it's also selling that story before you get into that room to the most influential senior people so that they know what you're doing there and they're going to take the side of you and influence the others to approve. Yeah, and just a, a quick one on that one, just to tell, you know, to reinforce your story element. Um, we were looking to replace some of our 386 machines that were in the restaurants doing the back office system and a lot of work for the managers. And then the 486 and the, and the, the Pentiums came out. And the processing time for the 46 Pentium versus the 386 was incredibly different. I mean, there were about a thousand stores that still had the old 386 and they would spend hours processing after, you know, after the store was closed and the poor manager had to sit there. Well, we were trying to get all these replaced and the executives were not really buying into it because it was costly. Well, I had recorded a call that came in at 2 a.m. in the morning from a manager whose backup had failed and he was going to need to do it again and spend two more hours in the restaurant. And he was literally crying on the phone to our help desk. What a terrible situation he was in. So I played that recording of the manager crying on the phone to our help desk. Once they all listened to that call, they had no problem approving the replacement of all the 386s. 
I think the human side is is really important. And I think the, the other thing from that, Roy, is that that you have to get out of the office, right? You can't really understand what goes on in your business sitting in a corporate environment in an office and running it that way. You need to get out of the office and see what goes on in the business. And that's how you're going to help your business partner a lot better than just sitting behind a desk. What a very smart man named Tom Peters calls management by walking around. That's the best. We're moving into a, a really a, a new time for support. There's a lot of uh, transition taking place. We talk about digital transformation in organizations now a lot. And we're seeing tools that are emerging that are going to give us capabilities that we never had before. And as we move into this new age, when at least some organizations will be taking advantage of increased automation and artificial intelligence and machine learning, natural language processing, what are some of the basics we shouldn't lose sight of as we increase our use of technology? You know, when I look at increased automation, artificial intelligence, virtual agents, you know, kind of scripting, robotics, you know, basically that's taking away manual work that is repetitive and not that hard. And that's really what the shift left strategy is all about. So I'm thinking increased automation, artificial intelligence is just another component into the shift left strategy that helps me get rid of repetitive work and then creates an opportunity for me to shift my time, focus and resources into other elements of the business that create value. And I think that's the opportunity, right? We, we always need to look for ways that we could shred the stuff that's not important, shred it by meaning automated or, you know, get rid of it or whatever, um, and then focus on the opportunity at hand. Well, you only understand the opportunity at hand, once again, when you get yourself out of the office and you build relationships and you partner with the business and you kind of know what their challenges are. And so, you know, we have opportunities now to really focus on creating the modern workplace and adding our service and support value and our understanding of technology and hopefully how the business works from a persona use case scenario and say, here, let me help you take all of this new technology around collaboration, communication, and all of that great stuff. And let me show you ways in which you could do things that you struggled with before, or here's new opportunities for you guys to work together, or I know you've always struggled with this. Well, this new kind of collaborative technology really solves that. And, you know, you could take now people all across the country and world and really have an engaging quality meeting with video and, uh, and whiteboards and other stuff. So I think that's the real opportunity is utilizing what's before us and taking advantage of it, doing the things that we've done well before, and then focusing on some of the more higher business valued opportunities like the modern workplace. That's uh, very well put. And, and you've often said, uh, you know, a fool with a tool is still a fool. A lot of times, because we're in the technology realm, we tend to think of technology as the first solution that we think of. Right. It sounds to me like you're thinking of technology much more the way I do, which is as an enabler of better communication, better workflows, better et cetera. Yeah, productivity. I mean, you you nailed it. The word's enabler, right? But but it 
but it depends on the perspective. You know, I, I love that quote about uh, a fool with a tool is still a fool. The, the other one is, you know, if I just sit at my desk and have that perspective all the time from where I sit to what I see, then I'm really missing out on the other aspects of it, right? So I really need to gain the perspective from other positions, namely my customer and business, and really understand, you know, kind of how they work and how these new technologies will benefit them. It's really not about me. I'm only the enabler, as you said, with the knowledge of the technology, working with them to figure out how we could put these pieces together into a puzzle that solves problems and creates business opportunities. Terrific perspective, Pete. Thank you. And speaking of perspective, your perspective these days is a little bit different from what it was with regard to your, you know, your Taco Bell story and your earlier days. Uh, you're a senior director now, and and what do you wish? Maybe what do you wish you had known then that you know now? And what do you wish support center staff and leads knew that they don't know? That's a really good question. So, um, you know, I'll be celebrating my sixth year here now at, at First American as senior director. Um, I now have workplace and collaboration services. So that's the service desk, desktop, uh, messaging team, telephony and the wireless team, as well as our IT facility projects team. So it's a really big team, but it's all kind of end user business focus, which kind of makes it, um, I think it, it fits together really well. And so somebody asked me why I left consulting to come back into operations. And I told them that every now and then a consultant should go back into operations just to make sure that what they're recommending to the customers actually works. And that's been the trial for me in the last six years. I spent nine years as a consultant, you know, working with companies, assessing their needs, making recommendations. Now I had the opportunity to kind of implement them and see if they actually worked. And I'm very pleased to announce that they're working really well. I'm very happy with the progress we're making here at First American. But when I look at what I know now versus what I knew then and what I'd like my you know, kind of leadership team or staff to know, it, it's really to pay attention to the customer, to pay attention to not only the customer, but the business. And don't get caught up in a very siloed perspective. Just every now and then take a step back and, and take a look at the bigger picture. Now, um, it's not always easy to do that. You have to purposely take action to do that. But you can't just think that, you know, the whole world is just from eight to five in your world handling 30 calls and, you know, whatever. We really need to kind of, um, I guess, incent and enable our team members, our leadership team to take time to see different perspectives, to learn different things, to work together and kind of learn other people's perspective and opinions. And I think I didn't do that very well early on in my career, but now, you know, in my elderly career, um, I take a lot of value in the um, experience of others, the opinion of others and other people's perspectives, because I think I get much more out of that than thinking I know the, all the answers. And one of the things I've often said, by the way, you said elderly career, and I just want you to bear in mind who you're talking to here. Um, 
one of the things that I've often said is that we need to listen to the people who actually do the work, the frontline yep. folks, the people who are engaged in that those customer interactions. And uh, I, I happen to know of at you know, a couple of CEOs that are very much involved in that. They've involved themselves in going into support and sitting in on calls and taking calls and talking to customers. And it seems to me that that's incredibly valuable. And I think that you probably would agree with, you know, to having conversations with the people uh, who are level one uh, and really engaged with the customers is, is valuable, would you not? Oh, totally. Uh, you know, and I had an aha moment um, last week. So I'm running kind of a leadership workshop, uh, leadership uh, sessions for our next in line leaders. There's five of them on the service desk and they're all in a position ready to be a uh, team lead and supervisor. So I thought, well, why not just kind of give them a head start on some of the leadership principles and concepts that work well and why they work well? And I kind of talked to them about taking the time to sit down with people on, on the calls and observe them, you know, listen to the call, watch how they work, understand the, the, the thought process they're going through. Because each person, when they sit with another person, comes with a different perspective and a different takeaway. So I said, you know, if I were to sit with them, I would see different opportunities. If the manager would sit with them, they would see different opportunities. So everybody that sits with somebody is going to come away with something different, but it's going to be valuable. But if you don't do it, you'll never come back with that. Yeah, absolutely true. If you don't give yourself that chance, you have missed the opportunity for sure. Yeah, you don't know. You know, and I'm going to quote my mother, Lillian McGarrahan, on this one. She said, Pete... God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. There you go. So at, at, we're coming up to, to conference time already again. How does this happen every year? We look and go, wow, it's April. Uh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so at the HDI 2019 Conference and Expo, one of your sessions is uh, using data, knowledge, and analytics to make better business decisions, the first American Corp experience. Which kind of goes back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier, how data and analytics are incredibly valuable um, in terms of telling your story. And that maybe that's how they should be looked at and helping you tell your story. So what's, what's a good place to start using analytics to drive decisions, do you think? Well, I, you know, I think... Um... You know, the first part is you really need to have your kind of data scorecard, your your performance metrics, and you know you need to have it in a balanced format. If you can't tell your performance story, then it's going to be hard for you to tell any other story, right? So it comes down to that confidence level that senior executives have. They need to know on a daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, and yearly basis that from a performance standpoint they're getting their money's worth out of the service desk. And that really creates kind of um, a, a good competence level there. So that's the first part. And then once you kind of make it past that part, now you have to go and you do the deeper dive into the data analytics. And I would say our big focus last year and this year is to really better understand our call typing and call categorization. And of the, you know, 
four to 5,000 contacts we get a day. How does that break down into kind of the Pareto model or the top 10? And what are the ones that are you know, most impacting, not just at the first level, but also at the, the assignment to the second level and third level? And of that kind of breakdown of call categorization, what we're doing now is we involved our problem manager and we're involving different level three team members to come in and work with us. And so we picked a topic of big impact in terms of contact volume, mean time to resolve, and a lot of different resources, right? So if you take something that comes into level one and it gets assigned to level two, and then it gets reassigned to level three, and you look at the cost structure of level one, level two, level three, well, the total cost of that issue is adding up the time and the money of level one, two, and three. So you're looking at a big cost per issue. And I think sometimes the service leaders miss that impact, right? It's not only that there's a contact impact, there's a business impact, not only in impacting productivity by mean time to resolve, but also in the cost. So what we're doing now is we're kind of diving into that call data, looking at um, repetitive reoccurring issues, breaking it down, bringing in the experts, root causing it, and coming up with solutions to eliminate that issue from the contact piece. And we're putting a business case approach to it to go to senior managers and get approval and recommendation for implementing the solution that will therefore eliminate that issue from reoccurring again. And we're very excited about this opportunity because it's not just the service desk working on it. We have ITSM group working on it. We have the L2 people, the L3. And eventually, we're going to boil it down to this business case approach that says, this issue reoccurring, here's how many contacts, here's how many people, here's the cost on, on impact to the business, the cost to us, here's our recommendation, here's what we think the end result's going to be. And I just, I'm really excited about this because it, it, it plays in so well with what the theme of the presentation at the HCI conference is going to be. And I will have a great story to tell uh, for the people attending that session. That's, that's awesome. And, and I think ultimately that, of course, it would be the ideal goal to get all of the interruptions out of the information systems and and have 100% requests instead of 55% incidents coming in, right? That would be a, a thing of beauty. Um, yeah. And uh, that that's just a terrific, terrific story, and, and we all look forward to hearing it. Yeah, well, one Ms. thing I'll just mention on that, Roy, is, is one of the challenges of getting everyone to buy into this approach is that some team members within the IT organization tend to settle and accept reoccurring issues. And what we're trying to do is emphasize that we should never settle if we take the perspective of what the impact is to the business. I could not agree more. And, and I can remember uh, talking about, I was specifically talking about uh, password reset and how you can automate password resets and, and get these manual password resets out of the support center. And I remember one of the people that was in the 
presentation saying, hey, I paid off two mortgages on password resets. You know, so <laughs> there, there's there's kind of a, a self-interest involved in, in maintaining a level of work. People don't like to cut the work out from underneath themselves, but we're past that now. We have to be focused on the business outcomes in a highly competitive world, and we need to pay attention to this stuff. No, I think I think you brought up a great point. I mean, going forward, um, I think our biggest challenge as service leaders is the culture that we're in within the organization, within the IT group, and within people that have been IT people for you know many years. As we approach kind of taking the shift left strategy up to another level with the modern workplace, robotics, automation, and all that, the biggest fear I think our IT people have is, well, what do I do now, right? What, what, what about my job? Well, you know, I, I've always done that. And I think as service leaders, we have to prepare our organizational organizations culturally to accept this kind of rapid change um, and understand what we need to do to position ourselves to reach out and learn new things and, and be accepting to new things and, you know, prepare ourselves for the technology changes to come and find an opportunity for us to benefit from that as well. We just really, once again, we can't settle and assume that the rest of our careers are going to be spent doing the same things we did the last 10 years. Mr. McGarrahan, I am very grateful for your taking the time to talk to me and uh, look forward to getting this podcast up so that the rest of the people can share your wisdom. And I will see you at the HDI conference in from April 7th to 12th in Orlando, Florida. Well, I look forward to seeing you again, Roy, and I look forward to seeing everybody else. And um, thanks again, once again, for the honor and privilege to chat with you on this uh, on this topic. Thanks, Pete. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of SpotCast. For more about HDI, visit us on the web at thinkhdi.com and see Support World for great content. I'm Roy Atkinson, your host for SpotCast. Meanwhile, send us a tweet with the hashtag S-B-O-C-C-A-S-T, SpotCast. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, take care.